Well, it is great to have each of you here with us as we enter this uh, week of Thanksgiving, this week of celebration, um, week of an opportunity to celebrate all the amazing things that God has done in our lives. Uh, someone gave me a picture um, when I came in this morning of the lobby out there one year ago today when we were just beginning the demolition on the lobby. So it was just one year ago today we were tearing that whole space apart and um, exciting to see what God has done. And it was yesterday that uh, a team of men and students from our church uh, started tearing the sanctuary space apart. So we have just launched into that project. When we get it all demoed out, we'll uh, open it up so you can kind of walk in and see uh, what that might look like. And We'll have some pictures hopefully in the near future so you can see some renditions of that as well. But today we want to be a day that's all about celebrating what God is doing, uh, what God is up to, the amazing things that God is doing in each of our lives. And, and we don't know what those are, but there's something amazing when God shows up in our lives. You know, when I was a kid growing up, my grandparents lived about 45 minutes away, and so um, they didn't attend many sporting events and, and school functions that I was involved in, but occasionally the team I played on would travel to near where they lived, and they would come and observe the sports that I was playing in. And my grandparents, other than when they came and watched me, I don't think they ever thought about sports at all. It just wasn't something on their radar at all. Um, but when I, would, when I would come and play in their town, then they would show up, and it was really significant that they showed up and they were there. And I think it's important for any kid when, when family members, when parents, when grandparents show up and they're there in an event um, and they can be a part of that experience. One of our elders um, likely just finished the Philadelphia Marathon. That's Glenn Moeller. And uh, his family was down there following him all over the city, just trying to be there to see him um, and to celebrate the accomplishment that he, had, that he was hopefully able to finish. Um, he was tracking pretty well on the tracker update that I got on my phone from him. Um, last year when I had a chance to run the New York City Marathon for my family, out of two million people to find me and to show up and see me twice during the race was just remarkable. It just gave me this overwhelming sense of encouragement and kind of lifted my spirits when it, just to know that they were there with me. And one of the things that we do as a staff regularly, nearly every week, is we sit down and say, where is God showing up? Where are we seeing God's presence, God's activity, God's work, God's hand in the lives of people in CCC, in our own lives, in our own families? That's something really significant that we want to constantly be looking at because when Jesus was here on the earth, he said, my father is always at work and I too am working. And we believe at the core of our being that God is doing something in every person's life who's alive today. Regardless of how close they are to God or how far they're away, away from God, no matter where they're at in their journey, we believe God is at work, that God is doing something today. And so for us, it's just simply paying attention to, being aware of, noticing what God is up to. Even in those times that are difficult, those times that are hard, those times as you reflect on this past year where there was heartache, when there was suffering, when there was confusion, when there was sadness, when there was anger, the truth is God was there and God was present. And God was involved during those times as well. And this morning what I want to do is I want us to look at a psalm um, that I believe reflects some of the ways that God is with us. And as we look through at that psalm and as we walk through that psalm, I hope that it will give you an opportunity to reflect back on your year, to reflect back on the things that have happened this past year, and to say, wow, I can see God with me in this one. I can see God with me in this one. I can see God with me in this one. If you have a Bible, if you would turn to Psalm 147... Psalm 147, if you don't have a Bible, um, you can turn to it on your uh, app or wireless device. If you have, don't have U version, download U version. You can lo- 
log on to it there. Um, our ushers have Bibles and they'll make them available to you to follow along as well. Psalm 147. Most of the Psalms were written by David, a man that we've been spending time over this fall looking at his story. We've, we've seen David as this unlikely hero, this giant, this giant killer, and then this military leader, and then this um, most wanted fugitive on the run, you know, at the top of um, King Saul's blacklist, if you will. Um, but the Psalms are a different perspective, because what the Psalms do is the Psalms don't talk about the facts of what happens, but the Psalms describe David's heart. They, they reflect his heart. And as I encourage you, as we were walking through the Psalms, to read some of the stories about what was going on in David's heart. Because it appears that David is this confident warrior, this confident leader, this, this confident, even when he's on the run, he's confident all the time. But when you read the Psalms, you get, a, you get to peel away a layer and look at the heart and see this is a guy that went through all kinds of ups and downs and uncertainty as he was trying to figure out what does following God look like? What does it look like? Psalm 147 is one of those Psalms that was likely not written by David, and I'll explain why in just a moment. But this psalm, like every other psalm, gives us a glimpse of his heart. This psalm was likely written after the Jewish people returned from exile. They had been exiled in the land of, um, in the land of Babylon for 70 years. And this psalm likely was written after they returned. It's a psalm that reflects God's compassion, his provision, and his power. And as you listen to this psalm, and I ask questions of you throughout the psalm. I hope you can look back over this past year and reflect on the ways that God has shown up in your life. The psalm begins, and each one of the sections we're going to look at begins with some type of a call to praise in verse 1. How good it is to sing praises to the Lord, and how pleasant and fitting to praise Him. And then in verse 2, he said, The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exile of Israel. Likely he's describing the group of people known as Israelites, who had come from the land of Babylon. They had been in captivity there for 70 years. Um, they weren't slaves, but they were under someone else's rule, someone else's authority. And as they returned back to the land, the, the, in the Bible there's a man by the name of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah's story is about how the walls were built up to provide a place of safety for the people of Israel. And so he's describing God bringing the exiles back. And in my mind, I kind of picture it like a mom who's at the playground. Her kids have been running around playing, and she calls them back. She gathers them back and says, now it's time to go. And God did that with his people. He gathered them all up, and he said, now it's time. It's time to go back. But as he takes them back, it's, there's this recognition that this exile has done something to them. That this tragedy has done something to them. Look at verse 3. He says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You know, when you think of people being in exile, and they, remember, these are people who are in exile, and they didn't do it. It was for the sins of their parents and grandparents that they were in exile. I don't know about you, but if I had to pay for the sins of my parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, I might not be too happy about that. It's hard enough to deal with my own junk, you know, let alone all of my ancestors as well piled on top. And so I have to believe that there were some of those people who had forgotten about God, who had rejected God, who didn't really want anything to do with God. And he talks about them being brokenhearted. not hard to understand how that could have happened 
But he says that God is going to heal the brokenhearted. How does a broken heart get healed? How does that happen? In Psalm 34, uh, the psalmist talks about God being close to the brokenhearted and saving those whose spirit is crushed. And then later in Isaiah 61, when the prophet Isaiah is telling us what Jesus is going to say when he shows up on the scene, he says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up or to provide some type of healing to the brokenhearted. As I thought about how God heals the brokenhearted, I thought, what does God do? Uh, does, he, does He somehow take away the pain? Does He somehow wipe our memories clean so we don't remember the pain from the past? Uh, that doesn't happen, does it? When we talk about brokenhearted, we know when that happened and what happened. And we don't forget what it felt like when it happened. Does God promise us happiness and that the pain will go away and everything will be great and wonderful? I don't think that that's what God does. So, so what does God do? How does He heal the brokenhearted? And as I sat with this and thought about this, the one thought that came to my mind is, I think one of the ways that God heals the brokenhearted is He restores hope. He restores hope. He restores hope that there is another day that's coming, that there is something down the road, that even though I can't see it, I don't know what it is, and my heart is aching so badly right now, I can't even imagine something good will come out of this, that somehow God will bring me through it. He goes on to talk a little bit more about how he does that in verse 4. It says, He determines the number of stars and He calls them each by name. Scientists don't have any idea how many stars there are in the heavens. The Bible over and over and over again says God knows all the stars and He's given them all a name and He knows them each by name. Think, how does He do that? How does He do that? But a name gives us our sense of identity. And, and as you're looking at all those names, some of you are looking like, where's my name? Where's my name? Is my name up there? You know, because it, it gives us a sense of identity, you know? And when someone calls your name or speaks your name, it makes you feel valuable and important. In our culture day, how are we identified? Can I please have your address? Can I have the last four numbers of your social security number? You know, right? That's how we get identified, right? In our culture today? Not, hello, John Nicholas, can I talk to you about whatever's going on? No, can I have the last four digits of your social security number? And then that's how they know who we are, right? The Bible says that God knows us by our name and our name gives us our sense of identity and gives us a sense of being valued. I think part of this healing process that God brings about in our lives is when we have a sense that we are valued by God. As impossible as this seems, the psalmist goes on in verse 5 to say, Great is our Lord and mighty in power, but His understanding has no limit. Even though it seems impossible to us, we can't even remember all the names of the people in our own family, you know, in our own class, at our job. God knows us all. And He's capable of doing that. One more thing it says that He does here in this verse, this psalm for the brokenhearted. It says, The Lord sustains the humble, cast the wicked to the ground. I think one of the things that often happens, not all the time, 
but often happens when our heart is broken is we find ourselves in a place where we are on our knees, on our face, helpless before God with nowhere else to turn. It leaves us in a place of humility before Him. And the psalmist says, the Lord sustains those who are humble. Peter says, humble yourself in the sight of God, and what God will do what? He will lift you up. And so how does God heal the brokenhearted? I think He does it in a couple of different ways. I think He does it by offering hope. I think He does it by um, the sense of value that we are to Him. I think He does it by sustaining us when our hearts are humble. God doesn't shame the humble. He sustains the humble and He gives them what they need. And I think in this first section, I think the point that the psalmist is making is that that the compassion of God is extended to those who are healing. The compassion of God is extended to those who are hurting. Excuse me. And as you think about this past year, can you identify some times in your life when you were hurting? When you faced difficulty, when you faced uncertainty, when pain showed up in your life, when your heart ached and you couldn't get rid of it, a loss that you faced, old wounds that were opened, dark closets that God invited you to go into, abandonment, rejection, fear, loneliness. The truth is, God didn't remove those circumstances from most of our lives. But He sustains us by bringing us to our knees, by bringing us to a place of reliance upon Him, and by bringing us a place to recognize that He is with us. He is with us. And so where has the compassion of God shown up in your life this week, this year? Where has that shown up in your life? I think the psalmist then moves from the compassion of God to the provision of God. And again invites us to sing in verse 7, Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God with our harp. You know, God doesn't invite us to sing in perfect pitch and perfect melody. I kind of like when the music's loud in here because I can sing at the top of my lungs and nobody knows I'm off key. You know, they laugh at me when I clap off beat, you know, so. But they can't hear me. Only I can hear me and God can hear me. Um, the psalmist says, sing to the Lord with grateful praise. It just invites us to, that should be part of our lives, part of our world, part of our relating to Him. And then he goes on to um, talk about the process that happens all year long that sometimes we can easily overlook. Look what he says in verse 8. He says, He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain. He makes the grass grow. He provides food for the cattle. And he just kind of describes the, the process of what happens every year and what happens all throughout years. The, the skies get dark and they get filled with dark clouds and we know that the rain is coming and then eventually the rain comes and it pours down. And as the rain pours down, we know what that does is it gives life to the grass and all the things that grow that allow our lives to be sustained. And then the cattle and the other animals eat those things and they're able to live and be sustained as well. And as we're coming into the fall season, things are still green I was talking to someone about some of the plants and just care for them around the building. They're like, hey, there's still buds. It's still green. Leave it alone. It's still green, you know, because of the goofy weather we've had. Um, but that won't continue for much longer. But he makes a very unusual statement at the end of this. 
Because look what he says at the end of this verse. He says he provides food not only for the cattle, but also for the young ravens when they call. Now, these could be young birds inside of a nest. I'm not sure what that could be that you know, the, the parents have abandoned them. But I thought about why did God choose the ravens? The ravens. You know what's true about ravens? Uh, they have what's called an omnivorous diet. Omni means everything, right? God is omnipresent. He's everywhere present at the same time. Ravens have an omnivorous diet. You know what that means? What does a raven eat? Everything. <laughs> everything, right? I mean, it eats things that are dead. It eats little animals. It eats berries. It eats you know, grains. It eats insects. It eats fruit. It eats everything. But the psalmist in this passage says that not only does God um, allow all these things that happen in nature, but he even provides for the birds that find it whenever they need it. Do you remember what bird Noah sent out of the ark to go see if it could find something after the flood? you remember what that bird was? It was a raven. And so God says to us, he said, even the animals that can find anything to eat, I'm the one taking care of them. He goes on in verse 10 and tend to say this, his pleasure is not in the strength of his horse nor his delight in the legs of his warrior. He said, God doesn't get pumped up and excited and thrilled with strength and power. We do. We do. You know, one of the things that, that we hear a lot of in the news these days with the incident that happened over in Paris and the threat of ISIS is, what is our military going to do? And what's the response going to do? And, and are we powerful enough to fight this enemy that seems like it can spread itself anywhere and everywhere and, and attack without any warning? And the question is, our strength and power, and will it protect us and will it defend us? God says that's not what thrills Him. Strength and power and might. He says in verse 11, the Lord delights in those who fear Him. Those who fear Him. Not those who cower in fear because of what God might do or God might come down on you. But a fear that's an honor and respect and a trust and a reliance. It's a fear that admits that I need you every day for everything, God. I need you. I need you when I'm sitting here taking this test. I need you when I'm having this hard conversation. I need you when I'm faced with this challenge at work that I don't know how to solve it. I need you when my kids are struggling and I don't know what to do. I need you when I can't resolve this tension with my spouse. I need you when the boss says you're done and it's time for you to move on. I need you when I'm waiting for that phone call from the doctor. I need you when I'm waiting for the outcome of those results. I need you when I don't know how much longer I'm going to live. And the psalmist says that he delights in the one who fears him. And second of all, who puts their hope in his unfailing love. And I think as much as I want to love my wife and love my family in an unfailing way, never to let them down, as much as I want that to be true, I can never do that all the time. I, I just can't. And it's not because I love them any less. It's because I'm, I'm not capable of doing that all the time. 
The only one that's capable of that unconditional, unfailing love is God Himself. And the Lord is delighted. The Lord is thrilled with people who say, I'm not going to put my hope and my trust in anything else. I'm going to put it in you. I'm going to put it in you. And I think the second thing that the psalmist talks about here is the provision of God for those he loves. The provision of God for those he loves. Whether it's taking care and providing for things that happen, what appears to be very naturally in creation, whether it's taking care of the animals that seem to be able to care for themselves, or taking care of those who choose to follow him. That's who he's going to provide for. And so as you think about this past year, ask yourself this question, how has God provided for you this past year? How has he provided for you? How did God surprise you this past year? There's some way he just showed up and surprised you. I mean, I had one of those just this past week. I'd had some blood work done earlier and it you know, it gets sent in and, you know, to insurance and you forget about it and then you get this bill. You're like, oh my goodness, look at that. I can't believe it was like $1,600, some crazy number like that. And then I'm, I'm like, oh man, where are we going to pay for that? And where's the money going to come from? I was not expecting this. And for about a week, I kind of sat with this and was kind of stressed over it. And then I started digging into it and I called the um, insurance company and called the medical provider and what I came to find out is the insurance company hadn't provided the medical provider with the statement of benefits is saying instead of $1,600 only $350 I'm like oh feels a lot better I think I can manage that one you know but there's things like that that happen in our lives all throughout the year and I want to just challenge you to say where has God shown up this year Where has there been an unexpected gift, an unexpected blessing, where somehow God just did something in your life? And as we saw in the life of David, something that appears to just happen, David discovers God's hand was in this. God's hand was in this. Well, the psalmist takes a step back and gives us a bigger view of God. Beyond those who are hurting, that God has shown compassion. Beyond those he loves, And he now looks at the entire nation of Israel and all of creation. And he says there in verse 13, he says, He strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. Remember I mentioned that the people of Israel had come back from exile and they were now back in their land. And this cupbearer, Nehemiah, who had come back to the land, his job was to build up the walls. Because without walls, there was threat of enemies coming in and attacking them and defeating them and killing them and harming them so without the walls they were very very unsafe and he says he strengthens the gates he grants peace to your borders Um, imagine how much the people of Israel long for that today peace to their borders where they're just surrounded at every turn with growing increasing conflict but God was saying to his people in that day he was saying I'm going to protect you I'm going to make sure you're taken care of 
And then he goes on in the next couple of verses and takes us back to creation. And notice what, what does this. It's his commands in verse 15. He sends his commands to the earth. His word runs swiftly. And look what his word does. The first thing it does is it spreads snow like wool, scatters the frost like ashes, hurls down his hail like pebbles. And who can withstand his icy blast? And just as much as we enjoy the warm sunshine and the rain and the green grass, guess what's coming? Snow. Snow. Now, some of you are saying, I hope it doesn't come. I hope it doesn't come. You know, some of you like Barb, who's heading south here in a little bit, is like, I'm trying to avoid the snow. I'm trying to avoid the snow. Um, But we just tend to generally think about the snow as, okay, what's the weather report and where's it coming from? And is it El Nino or La Nino or Ya Nino, whatever it is that's coming from California that is going to affect our weather. But the psalmist reminds us that God speaks. His word, his command is what releases this. When God's talking to Job, he talks about, he speaks and the heavens open up and pours it out on us. He talks about the snow falling like wool. We got a glimpse of that. We're doing some demo in the, in the space on the other side in the sanctuary because they had some blown in insulation in a few areas and just knocked down a few ceilings and it was snowing in there, you know, is what it appeared to be with insulation everywhere. But he talks about not only it's snow, the snow that falls like wool, but he says it scatters the frost like ash. It just goes over and covers everything. And after the ash, it says he hurls down his hail like pebbles. And who can withstand his icy blast? And what happens when the ice comes? It does what? It stops everyone in their tracks. Right? We can get out when there's snow. But when the ice comes, you can't go anywhere. And you are reminded this sense that not only is God taking over and protecting and caring for His people Israel, but He has control and He's involved of what happens to this whole earth. To the whole world that we live in. But He doesn't leave us there. Verse 18, He sends His Word again and He melts the snow and the grass starts to push His way up and He stirs up the breezes and the waters start to flow once again. And so I think the psalmist in this last section wants to point us to um, the protection of God for his own people. The protection of God for his own people. It says in verse 19, he's revealed his word to Jacob, his laws and decrees. He has done this for no other nation, for they do not know his laws. The Bible in other places says that God will never leave you or forsake you, that God will meet all your needs, that beyond the people of Israel, that if you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus, that He will be there with you. He will provide for you. He will protect you. And He will walk with you. And so as you think about this last year, how has God protected you? How has God walked with you? Sometimes we think of protection and physical safety. But there's protection in a lot of different ways. Maybe your company has gone through a difficult time and your job has been protected and secure. Maybe your family has been through some difficult emotional struggles and there's this sense of God protecting them and His hand over them and watching over them. Certainly in physical ways, through things that come into our lives that we're not prepared for anticipating. So how has God protected you this past year? 
Sometimes the protection of God is through people. He brings people in our lives that provide guidance and direction. I want to give you a couple minutes to think through these questions that I've asked you. And our ushers are going to come forward and they're going to pass out some cards to you. And uh, if you have a pen, I want to encourage you to pull a pen out. Um, our ushers also have some pens they'll make available. So we need everybody to pull out a, get out a pen and um, be ready to start writing because what we want you to do is we want to give you some time in this service to actually sit and think about what God has done in your life. So they're going to be passing out a card to you. We want to make sure everybody has a card and everybody has a pen. And on this card, there's four questions. The first question is, what is something difficult that God has brought into your life this year? What's something difficult that you have encountered? The second question is, what is something encouraging that you've experienced this past year? Something that just lifted your heart, lifted your spirits. The third question is, what is an unexpected gift or blessing you have received? Something you weren't expecting, something you didn't plan for, it just showed up in your life. And then lastly, who has walked with you through the good times and the hard times in the past year? You know, sometimes the way that God is with us is through people that come into our lives, through people that are with us during hard times, through people that are with us to celebrate good times in our lives. So there's a song that the guys are going to, that Drew's going to put on back there, and I want you to listen to this song. And as you listen to this song, I want you to take the next few minutes and write some answers to these questions on the back of this card.
share a couple of them with you. Um, something difficult that I've experienced this past year, many of you know, uh, lost an aunt that was very close to, um, to our family uh, this past year, just a few months ago. And so even in the last couple of weeks, just have thought of her and have missed her. We'll miss her being with us uh, this holiday season. Um, something encouraging that I experienced this past year, and I would say the encouraging thing that I experienced was um, the blessing of this place that God has allowed us, uh, moved into this place in June. Um, after being renters for 18 and a half years and enjoy this space that we hope God will continue to allow us to use to love and serve this community and point people to Jesus. So got a few of our ministry leaders here up front. Um, if any others of you want to come and join them, feel free to do so, but they're going to share with you uh, some of their answers. So Greg, you want to get us started? Okay. Uh, something difficult. Uh, I can tell you this has been a tough year. I feel like I have a million pounds on my shoulders. Um, and uh, one of them, though, would be uh, my niece's son, Hudson, uh, who's diagnosed with uh, brain cancer. And uh, it's devastating. But it, within that, uh, I can say something encouraging has been uh, seeing our church family uh, just reach out to this guy, this little, this little uh, cute little kid who's only three years old, and just seeing people just lifting him up, lifting his family up, and showing the love of Christ. Uh, to them. 
Um, as many of you know, Tim and I, um, my name is Jen Van Dalen, by the way, um, but many um, of you know that Tim and I were able to lead along with Mel Dobb a um, team of students this past summer. And when we were up here this past summer sharing um, just about our trip and stuff, um, we had talked about collecting money for um, Pastor Robbie's church down there. Um, so mine is falling under the unexpected blessing. Um, Shortly after we had shared with everyone, Tim had said, I would love to take that money personally to Pastor Robbie and be able to hand it to him, but we just didn't know financially how we could make that ever work. Um, a few days at, later, we got a phone call from someone saying that they would pay for our plane tickets to go. Um, so we worked out the rest of the details and we were able to do that. And that was a huge blessing to us. Um, this past year, we even fell more in love with Haiti, and so we were able to go back. Um, we just got back this past Thursday. Um, but tying that into just um, something encouraging um, is this past week um, on Sunday, we were at the church, and there was um, a couple guys that um, had given us a box of stuff, and they put it in the car so that we can open it on the way home. Um, and inside this box were bananas and mangoes, um, avocados and sugar cane were all inside this box for us. Um, and that just encouraged me because they have so little. I don't know where these guys got the money to purchase the fruit for us, um, but they were able to do that and it brought tears to my eyes and just encouraged me in a way that um, something so little that they have, um, just that meant a lot to us. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Jen. You know, one of the things that we believe God wants us to do with these, um, these things that we see him doing is not just hold that in, not just keep it to ourselves. We haven't asked you to do anything yet today other than just write it down. But we hope you take this with you. And whether it's um, over to lunch this afternoon, maybe it's around your table at Thanksgiving, uh, maybe it's with a friend or two, maybe it's a coworker. you just say to them, hey, what's happened this year that you're excited that's been a challenge and can I share with you what's happened in my life so we hope this is uh, just the start of you being able to, throughout this week being able to celebrate and praise all the amazing things that God has done in our lives and we're going to close with a song that reminds us that when um, we are of hearts that are full of gratitude that it gives us a sense of freedom a sense of freedom to live and a sense of freedom to love and a sense of freedom to follow God with our whole hearts Johnny thanks Let's all stand together for our final song, I Am Free.